0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sake Revolution. This is America's first sake podcast, and I think maybe their favorite as well. I'm your host, John Puma from the Sake Notes. Also, the internet sake discord guy. Come and have some drinks with us sometime. Reddit r slash sake guy. Come have some drinks with us over there, too. And not the sake samurai, but you can still have drinks with me.
1: And you can have drinks with me, too. I'm your host, Timothy Sullivan. I am a sake samurai, sake educator, as well as the founder of the Urban Sake website. And every week, John and I will be here tasting and also chatting about all things sake and doing our best to make it fun and easy to understand.
0: Mm -hmm. I like things that are fun. I like things that are easy to understand. And I also really like when we do series. <laughs> so, welcome to the grand finale, the exciting conclusion, the climax. Yes, of our three-part series on pressing.
1: Yes, we did two weeks ago. We introduced our pressing mini-series with talking about fune pressing, the boat method. And last week, we talked about the most common pressing method, the yabuta, or the asaku, the compression machine. Mm -hmm.
0: The the cool kids call it the uh, yabuta.
1: (laughs) Yeah, all the cool kids. (laughs) (laughs) And this week, we're going to talk about the most rarefied methods of sake pressing.
0: Yes. Ooh, rarefied. All right. Rarefied. I I, I like rare things. I think rare things are a lot of fun. Yes. What do we have in store?
1: Well, you know, it's almost a misnomer to call this last method a pressing method because there is no pressing. This is (laughs) anti-pressing.
0: Wait a minute. So all of these things, you have the maromi, right? Yes. And you want to to squeeze it or press it to get the sake out. So there needs to be... Force of some yes. kind exerted on the moromi yes. to get the sake out. Yes. What do you mean?
1: What do you mean there's no pressing? Well, with the fune method, the board comes from the top and squeezes all the bags simultaneously. And with the yabuta method, there's those uh, bladders or those balloons inside every other frame that puff out and they squeeze the mash that way. But for this final method, We apply no pressure at all except for gravity. So this is a hands-off, hands-off, no pressing method, gravity only. And this is called Fukuro Tsuri. Fukuro Tsuri. Fukuro, again, is that word for bag or sack. And those Mm -hmm. are those bags that look like a pillowcase. And those are in the fune press usually. But... If you take these long, narrow bags that are open on one end, you can put the Moromi mash, the fermentation mash into the bags. And then it's a really simple concept. You just tie one end with a string and you hang it over a clean, empty tank. And then whatever drips out by gravity alone is what you get.
0: Uh, um, That sounds like cheating. (laughs) <laughs> Why is it cheating? Oh, well, yeah, are calling that a pressing method. It's a, it's a dripping method. <laughs> <It's>,
1: <laughs> yes. Now, the type of sake that results from this low-intervention, no-pressure method is called Shizuku sake. I'm sure you've heard about that before, right?
0: I, I, am, I am familiar.
1: Yes. So Shizuku is known as drip sake or trickle sake. And it's sake that drips from the bag with no pressure at
0: all. Hmm. Um, so I'm imagining for a minute, low yields. That's what I'm getting from <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this. So yes. this sounds uh, this sounds expensive.
1: Yes. We talked in the previous two episodes as well about the different uh, pressing times, whether it's the arabashiri, the nakadori, or the seme. And those are all for methods that have pressure applied to the bags or pressure applied to the mash, but this is no pressure. So there's really only one result out of this, which is the Shizuku sake, just the whatever trickles out by gravity alone. And it is the least yield that you're gonna mm-hmm. get from any method.
0: Yeah, from a standpoint of technology and, <laughs> and <laughs> steps and all that seems pretty straightforward. I think I can pull this off without screwing it up. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah yeah uh, wrap the bag hang it's like laundry i've done this before okay
1: well we're gonna put a photo in our show notes you can picture (laughs) of me with my
0: laundry or no no all right
1: (laughs) your your whites and your darks you can you that's all private for you but uh we're gonna put a photo in the show notes of how this is actually done they take a wooden bar and they hang that across the top of a tank and then from that bar they're going to tie the bags side by side so the bags are hanging down into the tank supported by a wooden beam going across and then they let that sit there for 24 hours 48 hours maybe a little bit longer and whatever comes out by gravity alone will drip down into the tank and then it can be collected
0: all right, then. So what are we going to get from a flavor standpoint? I'm I'm assuming they're only going to do this with really premium stuff. Yes. I don't think there's a lot of, uh, I don't think there's a lot of like Futsushu Shizuku. I don't think that's, <laughs> that's right. I don't think they're doing that.
1: Right. No. Now, there is a type of collection vessel that is used called a Tobin. I don't know if you've ever seen this, John, but sometimes they collect Shizuku sake in an 18-liter glass jar called a Tobin. And this collection method of Shizuku is called Tobin gakoi, which is when they collect the drippings from this trickle method, this drip Uh method. They store them in an 18-liter glass jar. And I've actually seen that resting in a container with ice cubes so they're chilling the glass jar down with ice cubes as the the drips fall into this glass jar so it is like the precious drops of the most expensive (laughs) sake that they're making and it's pretty pretty rarefied and uh, a lot of hands-on labor to make this happen
0: all right that sounds pretty good yeah
1: so, so some listeners may be wondering, like, what's the big deal with pressing? Like, why don't you squeeze out every last drop? What happens at the end that's so bad with all this pressure? Well, when you squeeze out the last bits of liquid out of a sake mash, you can get kind of the dregs and the the undesirable flavors, a little bit of bitterness. And it's not the most rounded and most delicious flavors always when you press those very last drops out. So that's why this shizuku method really focuses on whatever's going to come out without any pressure at all and that's viewed as kind of the most delicate and most nuanced sake that would come out through this method
0: Hmm. now i have a question when we were talking about the fune Hmm. and also the aputa we mentioned how when we first put everything in and we really don't apply any pressure yet yes we get the first one the arabashiri We talked about how that can be a little, uh, sometimes a little aggressive.
1: Yes. That normally for most sakes, the Arabashiri or the rough run or the first run, what comes out by gravity alone is sometimes green, a little brash, a little Mm. rough around the edges and might not have the most nuance.
0: Right. So how is this not going to have that same problem?
1: (laughs) Well... When we're dealing with a Shizuku sake and we know we're going to apply the strip method, they're using the most expensive Junmai Daiginjos and Daiginjo sakes. So the the rough run from the most elite Junmai Daiginjo is not the same as a Junmai or something like that. So Mm -hmm. the sakes they're starting with for this process are the most delicious and rare that they have.
0: I see. So if you applied this Shizuku method to, dare I say, lesser sake, (laughs) you would get something that's a little bit more brash, probably. Yeah,
1: you might get like a typical Arabashiri, Mm. but with a super milled Junmai Daiginjo, you are starting with a sake that is such high quality and so rare that this method produces just the most delicious droplets of sake you'll probably ever have. So it's a, it's a wonderful method for the elite
0: grades of sake. Mm. Well, um, normally I would love to talk more about the method, but the, all the way you're, you're describing this. is just tantalizing. I, I think it's really important for science that we taste this as soon as possible. <laughs>
1: So are you saying, John, that you've picked up a Shizuku sake?
0: Uh, I'm saying that we (laughs) have picked up a Shizuku sake that we are splitting because this stuff is not cheap, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) But for you, uh, the the listener at home, we make sure that we do not leave any uh, stone unturned.
1: Yes. So before we get into our tasting of the Shizuku trickle sake that we brought, there is one more method out there. We're having. Oh, f-
0: we're, we're we're talking about that now. Yes, we are. Oh, I th- I thought you were going to save that to the end and like no. like you know, the post credit stinger. No, we're um, going there now. But okay, yeah, let's talk about that.
1: <laughs> or do you want to save it till the end? Uh,
0: no, no, I think it's great. Let's okay. go. In fact, this all stays. Okay. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, there is this is a three part mini series on pressing matters, you know. Yeah. The pressing methods of sake. Yeah. And we bought one sake that used a fune press, one sake that used a Yabuta press. We have one sake we're tasting today that is a Shizuku drip method. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: there's one more method that is out there.
0: So we've been lying to the people when we said there (laughs) were three methods.
1: There's four. There's there's four. There's one oh. more. But it's a little bit inaccessible.
0: Inaccessible. That sounds like a challenge. <laughs> um, it's just a yes, challenge is, for our wallet. it is wallet. very, very <laughs> difficult to obtain. Yes. Uh, and when you can, it is also very difficult on your wallet to obtain. <laughs> so
1: the final pressing method that you sometimes see in the most rarefied sakes, beyond Shizuku, is the centrifuge.
0: Mm-hmm. The centrifuge method.
1: The centrifuge method. And this is used by sake breweries that I would say specialize in Junmai Daiginjo sakes. Yeah. And the way the centrifuge works is just as you might imagine. It is a large, circular, round machine and it you basically put the mash in the middle and it spins at very high speeds it's like a salad spinner john it is <laughs> it's like a nuclear salad spinner
0: it is kind of like a salad <laughs> spinner just a really intense yes i mean all right look they also centrifuge technology is used to separate the different components of, of your blood as well when you yes. get your you know blood test done it's not only a salad, a salad spinner is a lot more practical application for a device like this. This
1: is this is like <laughs> this is like a salad spinner, stainless steel salad spinner, the size of a dining room table. <laughs> That's what we're dealing with here. The way they work is they basically have an inner basket. The Moromi mash goes in there. It spins at very high speed, and the mesh of the basket allows the liquid sake to be pushed out to the edge where it drips down and gets collected and all the sake rice solids are held back in the central basket. So the idea is very much like a salad spinner (laughs) and these can be also kept cold. So the sake will never rise in temperature. And there is very little pressure applied to the mash itself. So you're not getting, again, those bitter components or the dregs coming through the sake leaves or the kasu. So you get a very pure droplet of sake expressed through this spinning method. And the sakes that I looked at, you know, we were contemplating doing another episode dedicated to to this centrifuge method. Mm -hmm. But the sakes were well over... $250 a bottle, $300 a bottle, and Mm -hmm. up, and up. And that's if you can find them. Yeah, and because of the pandemic, they were out of stock everywhere. So we will have to save the centrifuge for another day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Another day, you know. uh, Yes. Yes. Maybe one day we will come across a bottle. Yes. And revisit the series and complete it.
1: Yes. So uh, I hope Shizuku is not thought of now as the poor man's centrifuge, but it's really not. It, it's an amazing the method. Poor man's centrifuge. <laughs> I mean, when you're shopping for the centrifuge, we sake, have an episode
0: it, title now. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, Vito, Vito. Poor man's centrifuge. <laughs> no, no. Um, it is definitely not a poor man's anything. It is no. fantastically. Fantastically made, very uh, premium sake.
1: Yeah, Shizuku sake is so special and rare in its own right. Mm -hmm. So, John, do you want to introduce the sake that we have to represent our Shizuku method?
0: Absolutely. So, this week's sake from a prefecture very near and dear to our hearts, (laughs) from Yamagata, is the Toko... Ginga Shizuku, and this is the best name for a Shizuku sake ever. Divine Droplets. I think about it. You're hanging the bag, the droplets. It's pristine sake dripping out of the Perfect. It's the best name. <laughs> yes. And this is from Kojima Sohonten Brewery. Again, that is over in Yamagata, the brewery. Is not a spring chicken. It's a 1597 founding year. They what, have what been around.
1: 1597.
0: <laughs> 1597. Wow. Yeah, that is a. Uh, yeah, that's old, Tim. I don't think I don't think they were making uh, shizuku back then, though.
1: <laughs> Probably not.
0: Probably I,
1: not. I read somewhere that this is like the. 12th of the 14th oldest brewery in the world. Like
0: Whoa, any really? any
1: alcohol, yeah.
0: That's impressive.
1: Yeah. Pretty amazing.
0: Yeah. Wow. This again is a shizuku. Um, it is made with dewa sansan rice, which is a, a a local rice to Yamagata that I believe we have spoken about in the past. You go and yes. find that episode when you have a moment. The same Ibuai or the uh, rice. Polishing is down to fifty percent of its original size, and the alcohol percentage is sixteen percent. The acidity is one, just an even one, guys, and the sake meter value is also one. They liked ones when they were making the hmm. sake, and yeah, this is some very delightful stuff. All right,
1: well, I'm going to go ahead and pour the divine droplets. I'm going to dribble the droplets into
0: my glass. Um, so, uh, the first thing I'm noticing about this, not nearly as clear as, uh, last week's sake at all. So, uh, Yamagata and Nigata, very different ideas about how clear sake should be.
1: Yeah. So our Nigata sake from last week, the Jozen was water clear. This one has a little bit of a yellow cast to it. So probably not, not as aggressively charcoal filtered. And um, let's give it a smell.
0: Mm, <laughs> oh, that's mm, lovely.
1: That's... <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's
0: very lovely.
1: It's floral. Like, it smells like a bouquet of flowers. And fruity as well. Mm. Yeah. Perfumed. That's one of my... <laughs> Okay. One I of my like, go-to like words for
0: this. I think that yeah. um, you know, as I am as I am sniffing this at the same time you are and you're saying these words, I'm like, that that all checks out. That's that's <laughs> exactly how this that's exactly what I'm feeling here. Yeah. Hmm. Wonderful, wonderful.
1: It smells lovely, very engaging, and very uh nuanced and gentle, but really Lots of concentrated aroma, but still having a light-handed touch to it. Um, Lots of floral notes. And the
0: thing is that that sounds in opposition, but it's not. It totally works.
1: And this is a sake you're going to want to have in a wine glass, I think, because when you swirl a wine glass, you can really get those aromatics going Mm -hmm. and enjoy them a lot more easily. So I really recommend a nice wide wine glass for this type of sake. Let's give it a taste. Hmm. Hmm. Something tells me this is right up your alley, Puma. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> are you, are see, you enjoying uh, this? Uh, Naligata, <laughs> Dewa Sansan. Uh, and uh, really fruity and premium. Yeah, this is definitely my thing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> One thing yes. I really like about, about Dewa Sansan San and I'm getting here as well, is that sometimes when I have sakes that use this rice. It expresses itself in the form of a little, a little bite at the finish. Hmm. A little bit of like a almost a, it's less prominent here, but almost like a little bit of a peppery. Hmm. Like a nuanced little nudge in the peppery direction at the very finish. Hmm. And I'm, I'm, it's even present here, but very subtly. And it goes really well with the fruit, I think. Hmm. Especially since the fruit is so prominent here. Mm. Nice little ride with that fruit and then this nice little, just a nice little, boom, little spice finish. And it's Mm. really, really nice. This is decadent. (laughs) So this is not the first sake I've ever seen named Divine Droplets, though.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think there is another one that uses that moniker as well. But I mean, for a Shizuku, you kind of, as you said before, it's kind of the ultimate, (laughs) ultimate name.
0: It's like the best name. It's the best name for a sake that that is literally super premium drip method sake divine droplets. Like what are we even why are we wasting our time trying to name a a Shizuku anything else?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think another word to describe this is engaging.
0: Engaging. Okay. Yes.
1: Like you want to smell it. You want to sip it. It invites you to study it and Mm. enjoy it at a deeper level, I think, because it's not simple, but it's so soft and so velvety and smooth Mm -hmm. that it just invites that next sip. It invites that inquiry, like, what is this all about? How did they achieve this? And it brings you into that Shizuku, that drip conversation about how it was pressed and how that's the least invasive kind of low intervention method for Pressing this sake, and uh, it's a great story. So they've done a great job putting together a profile. I think that speaks to the pressing method, like what does divine droplets means, and it just brings you right into that story. And um, so good and delicious.
0: Mm, yeah, and it is just absolutely wonderful.
1: So I think this is a sake that would disappear quickly in the Puma household.
0: It, am I it right? Is, it is it is. um, I actually took this to a social function recently. Um you did where I was I was pouring some sake for well, actually for coworkers. Mm-hmm. and it was quite a hit. And one thing I do like about it is that while it is all of those things, it is that very luxurious, very nice um. Uh, very fruity sake. It's very again right up my alley. As you pointed out, it is interesting. It's not. It's not one dimensional. It's not right. just. Oh, it's you sip it and it's fruity and it's done. It's it has more going on. That little that little bite at the end I think is really beautiful. The aroma is really nice. There's so much going on. It's not just fruit. It's also floral. uh It's just a, a it's just a wonderful sake that I think that. When you think, you know, oh, it's Shizuku method, it's Junmai Daiginjo, it's super premium, it's probably going to be very light and maybe one note, and it's not any of those things. It's really nice. I mean, it's light, but it's not one note.
1: Hmm. <laughs> you know, the one statistic that really caught my eye on this sake is the rice milling rate. Mm-hmm. So for Junmai Daiginjos that are Shizuku method, sometimes they can go down to 40% remaining, 35% remaining, 30 or lower. And this is a full fifty percent, which it gets us into the junmai daiginjo category. But this is, this is not a very super finely milled rice grain, so you have more of that rice grain contributing to the flavor, mm-hmm. and I think it gives it some of that complexity and that edge to it.
0: Yeah, and I think that if they if I think if they used a uh, a smaller rice grain. It's going to completely change the character of this okay. sake. Yes. It might rob us of some of that interest that we you know some of the more interesting aspects of it. It might make it smoother. It might also make it a little bit fruitier and a little bit lighter and airier. But it it may also, like, you know, one of the nice things that this rice does is is that it's interesting and it has like, you know, complexity to it.
1: I couldn't have said it better. I agree with you completely. I think if they had milled this down to, you know, 25% remaining or something like that it would be so much lighter and airier, it would be obviously a completely different sake. So that 50% was obviously very intentional to give us those layers of flavor and a certain nuance for a Shizuku. This isn't shy and retiring and super, super delicate and light. This has a little bit more body, a little bit more heft but it has Mm -hmm. all the elegance you would need for days and days and days. So, so Mm. elegant, so smooth, but not wimpy in any way.
0: Um, So I had heard that, and I mentioned earlier that there was another sake that I'd come across in the past. That was called divine droplets. I had heard that in Hokkaido, there was a a brewery called Takasago that made a sake called Divine Droplets, it was also Shizuku method, and they made it in uh, in an ice dome, and that's where they did the, the the dripping. And I had heard that they had stopped doing that. Yes. Primarily due to climate change and the ice dome no longer really being sustainable where they were. Yes. Uh, and so the brand kind of fell into um disuse as a result and that it was their choice to Allow the Toko brand to utilize the Divine Droplets name and said, like, you know, these guys do it really well. <laughs> and kind mm. of gave their blessing um, oh, wow. to the you know to the Toko brand to do this since they had already been established as making great Shizuku, which I think is an interesting little story. If, you know, if I mean, obviously when you have these stories, some of it's probably a little embellished. But that's always what I had heard about this. It's a little less interesting than the story of how this sake is really <laughs> is really exciting and delicious. But, mm. but yeah, I always thought that was a little interesting that there was kind of a handoff of this this name, which again, great name. Yeah, have the, you had the original the Takasago?
1: I have had that in the past, and I did read with dismay a few years ago that they had discontinued their igloo or their ice dome shizuku drip method because they couldn't sustain the snow outside in the igloo shape Mm. and that was very depressing but um, it's good to know that we have other shizukus available that are just as engaging and just as interesting to taste and i i'm smelling this divine droplets from toko and the aroma is just getting more engaging as we're going along here. It's mm-hmm. just so enchanting and really, really nice.
0: Mm. This is um, very, very, very wonderful sake. Yeah.
1: We should also mention that this is not a cheap sake either.
0: No. It's yeah. It's not centrifuge prices, but it's definitely <laughs> it's <very> not cheap. <laughs> yes. And yes. not
1: cheap. So uh, just yeah. bear that in mind. But uh, yeah. really such a such a great sake yeah
0: i think if you're gonna get a, a shizuku it's probably gonna be in north of 80 dollars us that's yes, my thought for sure. and i'm thinking that's like the basement is like 80 i think it's yep. like entry level yeah uh, so if you see one for 80 maybe you maybe jump on that because uh, <laughs> <laughs> i think it only goes up from there um but you know there are there are some wonderful brewers out there that do make great uh, shizuku and uh you gotta find them. They're really good. It's really an interesting, uh, style of sake that you should have. Here. All, all
1: right. right. Well, I really enjoyed exploring all these pressing methods. Mm-hmm. Did you have a favorite? <laughs> what, are you kidding?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to say it's probably the divine droplets, Tim. Uh, <laughs> okay. don't, don't get me wrong. Although that Azumafuji Junmai was very nice.
1: Very good. Uh,
0: yeah. Very very good. The Jozen was a little bit less my style. It was not uh, crushable for John Puma, I think.
1: That's more up my alley, I think. <laughs> yeah.
0: But this one right here, whew, this is this is right up my alley.
1: It's a treat. All right. Well, we made it. We finished our pressing mini series.
0: Yeah, uh, it was good. We We crushed it. it. We crushed it. Yes, we did.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much to all our listeners for tuning in. We really do hope that you're enjoying our show. If you'd like to show your support for Sake Revolution, the best way you can really help us out would be to back us on Patreon.
0: Patreon is where the cool kids hang out. No, uh, (laughs) it's actually where our backers hang out. This is a community-backed show It's you guys that help make it happen every week, and we really do appreciate it. Another way that you can support the show, though, is by submitting a review on your podcast platform of choice. That sort of thing still really makes a difference when people go looking for podcasts about sake. Also, of course, go and uh, tell your friends, tell your families, tell your dog, perhaps even the cats, (laughs) uh, and get them to subscribe. Get them to leave reviews, too. I don't want, and also, you know, I'm not above canine Patreon subscribers, either. <laughs> if they've got a credit card, there's that's no problem with that.
1: All right. And as always, to learn more about any of the topics, sake education corners, or sakes that we talked about in today's episode, be sure to visit our website, my favorite domain, sakerevolution.com, for all the detailed show
0: notes. And for all of your sake questions, you can contact us at Feedback at SakeRevolution.com. And so until next time, keep remembering to keep pressing that sake. And by. We did it. All right.